podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's a maximum. Oh, it's brilliant. Taken away by Wicks. Let's see Oh, it's glorious. And it's Ward Prowse. He strikes it. Bamford shot. Oh, brilliant. The Pogba. Oh, what a finish. Came out to him. Menez. Picked that one out. What a goal by Harry Kane. Saka, 2-0. Jesse Lingard, oh, thumping finish. The champions of 2021 are Manchester City. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable. With your host, Tiriwa Chanakira, and his guest, Game week two, and you know what that means? It's another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable. I'm super excited that we got the season off to a good start last week. We had executive producer Guy Drinkle on the show. We had a bit of fun. We let loose with some of the scores. Um, and yeah, I, I was thoroughly happy with the Premier League season that, I mean, the Premier League game week that happened, uh, especially from a fantasy perspective. I think a lot of goals, a lot of surprises maybe some things that weren't surprises but um i've got a really cool guest on this week it's none other than newcastle's own jake jackman jake first and foremost welcome back to season two of a tad predictable we've been renewed dude yeah i know i was <laughs> very happy that you're back for another season obviously happy to to jump on and speak to you heading into the second week of the Premier League season before all our hopes and dreams have been dashed too much. So I've still got enough enthusiasm despite Newcastle losing in the first week. That That's the thing though. At, at the beginning of the season, the possibilities are endless, you know. So it, 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 yeah, be, before they do anything too weird, um, and, and I'm definitely going to want to pick your brain on Newcastle. We have you on the show, so we might as well... Um, get the benefit of that uh jake obviously one of the most knowledgeable people when it comes to not just newcastle but the premier league as a whole um cheap plug early on he's one of the writers on epl index so go check out some of his awesome articles that he does write but jake i'm I'm going to start off by giving you sort of the floor here to to give us your you know your thoughts on what you think newcastle is going to be this season I, i know obviously you being the resident Newcastle fan on this podcast, what can we give our fans in terms of looking forward to, you know, maybe giving predictions down the line or just what they can expect from Newcastle this season? Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting season. I think, um, I don't think we're going to finish too high up the table. I, I don't think we'll get relegated either. I think towards the back end of our season when we had, when uh, St. Maximan and Wilson got fit and obviously Joe Willock was in the team each week, we were, I think we won like six, six of our last eight matches, we beat Leicester away. We obviously drew to Liverpool, that was a, another one, drew to Tottenham, beat West Ham uh, and then we finished with wins over Fulham and Sheffield United. So we finished the season really well um, and it seemed like the 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 three five two formation that, that Steve Bruce was playing was, was sort of working. Um, 
think the main reason for that was Joe Willock. He's so key to the formation. I think anybody that watched the game on Sunday saw how sort of um, we were lacking energy in the in the middle of the pitch. Although we were creating quite a few chances, we were very open. And in the end, I think we were just beaten by a a better team with better midfielders, and that was the main difference. Because we were probably well worth the lead in the first half, and then we just sort of fell away. So hopefully, with Joe Willock coming back in, um, and um, playing against slightly worse opposition then I think we'll be we'll be fine I think we'll be good to stay up again I think we'll probably be somewhere between 12th and 15th again I think as long as the the main players stay fit I'd imagine we'll have quite a good um, we'll at least be quite clear of the relegation but even if I don't do think Steve Bruce has those limitations as a manager I think there's there's enough attacking talent to get us through and I think the main thing when you got to this year we saw it at the back end of last season. Um, I think we beat Southampton three two, beat West Ham three two, beat Leicester four two. I think it was we lost four three to Man City, if if I remember right. So I think we're going to get a lot of goals, and and we saw that again at the weekend. Obviously losing four two to West Ham, but there could have been more goals um, for both teams that day. So I think strangely, uh, when Newcastle have been quite bad to watch for quite a long time, it's going to be we're going to be quite good to watch this year um, with the players we've got and how bad our defences means that. Uh, you're going to get action at both ends of the pitch. So good for neutrals, probably not good for my, uh, not good for my heart. But there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and and definitely, hopefully, uh, both Saint Maximin and Callum Wilson can stay fit throughout the season because I think, especially when Callum Wilson's on the pitch, he tends to score. It's just he's not on the pitch enough um, for me. It feels like, but yeah, I, I think you're going to have to definitely outscore a lot of teams just purely because the defense doesn't look so solid at the moment um do you think just quickly do you think that will be helped by um a more uh, recognized keeper coming into to to start or is are the problems a little bit deeper than that um i definitely think when debraska gets fit that will help us uh i think freddie woodman's quite a good young goalkeeper uh he's been a involved in all the England youth teams, did really well at Swansea for a couple of seasons, but he's he's not quite as dominant in his box as Dubravka is. I think we saw that last week. There's a few crosses coming in that, that Dubravka would have come in and um, relieved the pressure where Woodman wasn't. But maybe that will come with experience. I don't think he's going to be in the team for that long, but I don't think that's the biggest issue. I think our biggest issue is uh, a lack of pace in our in our defence. You know, um, on Sunday we had Emil Kraft and... Kieran Clark and Federico Fernandez, and none of them are that quick. That will improve a little bit of Jamal Lasales. But um, yeah, I think we need to have a bit more pace in our defence, really, because that was that was our big problem at the weekend. We were just too open and we just didn't have the recovery pace to to shut West Ham down. Um, we've got Jacob Murphy's got that on the right hand side. Maybe Matt Ritchie was, was quite poor for a lot of the goals. I think that he's going to get targeted quite a lot. So we might see Jamal Lewis come back into the team at some point because he's a little bit better defensively and got a little bit more pace so that can um, sort of hide some of the defensive deficiencies. That was our main problem. Um, but I think Joe Willard coming back in as well is going to help because uh, Shelby and, and Hayden were a little bit overran by Declan Rice and Willard's a little bit more mobile and, and quicker so he, he should be coming back into the team soon so that'll, that'll be good. I think that he was probably the big success story towards the back end of the last season. I think he's quite important to the formation so the fact he wasn't there um maybe can help explain some of the problems but yeah I think we definitely need to a little bit more pace in our defence if we're going to play this sort of open football because uh, we will be exposed at times 
Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. And, you know, you've mentioned pace and the struggles that sometimes may come when you don't have pace. And I'm looking at our first fixture here. It's Liverpool. They entertain Burnley at Anfield. I think first time in front of that Anfield crowd for quite a while for Liverpool. I'm looking at that Liverpool front line and the pace that they have. And I'm looking at the Burnley back line that probably hasn't been helped with the lack of maybe funding that's that's gone into that team of late. Are you worried about Burnley in this game? Do you think they can cause an upset? What, what are you thinking? Obviously, we're getting you off the mark here for the season. So we've got to get your rust off. What, what score prediction are you going to be going with for this one? Yeah, I think it's going to be tough for Burnley. I, I worry about them, but I feel like I've been in a permanent state of worrying about them for about four seasons and <laughs> nothing's come of it. So um, I'm not sure. Um, if I should be that worried. But yeah, they they obviously won lost, didn't they, at Anfield? So they've got that to, to go off. Obviously, it was a completely different situation. But um, they've got that experience to to give them a little bit of a boost going into this one. I think it's going to, I think we saw last weekend how how much of an impact the home fans were having. Um, and I think it's going to be really prominent maybe for the first two or three matches of the season. And then obviously, it'll, get, it'll become more normal again as, as we progress. But yeah, I think at Anfield as well like Klopp's uh, lip was so good at Anfield in front of fans they, they have been since he took over there's there's sort of that emotional connection between the Klopp and the fans and the players and then you've obviously got Van Dijk coming back uh, playing his first game in front of fans I'm sure he's going to get a great reception I can't see anything other than a Liverpool win here um, I think Burnley was surprising on the opening weekend that they took the lead at home and then conceded twice and so rare for a Sean Dyche team. Normally when they go ahead, they stay ahead. Um, and I think they are a team that I think are going to be involved at the bottom of the table this year. I think they've, I think if they don't add any quality before the end of the window, I think they've gone one too many transfer windows without adding to the squad. It's quite an ageing squad now. And um, although Dyche is very good uh, at what he does, and he probably gives them an extra 10 points a season, at some point, if he doesn't get investment, it's gonna it's gonna only end one way. You can only stay in the Premier League so long for standing still. So I think that I do worry about them. But um, yeah, this weekend it's a bit of a free hit for them. But yeah, Liverpool looked really good going forward last week. Salah looked electric for for that opening game. It's maybe a few concerns at the back. I think they're they're still um, sort of getting back to full fitness. Van Dijk and. Uh, Obviously, you've got Simakas playing at the moment, so he's inexperienced. And we did see Norwich create a few chances. Um, There's that great sort of double save by Allison at the end of the match. So that was really good. Um, but yeah, I think I think it should be a, a routine home win this weekend. Um, you don't really see people, you know, people say you don't see Burnley get battered too often. But if you do, it's away from home and it's probably in a fixture like this. So I think I'll go 3-0 Liverpool, but I could easily see another goal or two. Interesting. Yeah. Look, I had a similar score in terms of, you know, how many goals Liverpool are going to be scoring. I'm I'm going to go with 3-1 just because I don't think Van Dijk is back up and running. And as you mentioned, Timikas as well, maybe defensively not the strongest. And it was quite evident in that Norwich game that the concentration levels did dip quite a bit when he um, well Klopp sort of said when they pulled the, it was like someone pulled the plug on him in terms of energy and fitness and maybe not having that experience of playing lots of 90 minute games over the past uh, year 
having come into to Liverpool's squad. So I still think Liverpool have a goal to give away in that defence. And if I don't know if teams don't realise it, or maybe it's just um, what happens when you come up against Van Dijk because of the reputation that he has and, and the football that he's put on the pitch over the last couple of years. But he's definitely not 100%. And we saw it in preseason. It's possible for people to just outrun him at the moment because the the reactions aren't as crisp as you'd want them to be. And that will come with with games and repetition and and all of that stuff. But at the moment, I think he's actually someone they can can run at. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if they do deploy that or if you know hope you know for Liverpool fans they're hoping that his reputation just sort of carries him through this sluggish phase that happens when you haven't played football for about 10 months um, and then I'm sure he'll be far up and running very very soon but we'll move on to our next fixture and we you know I, I mentioned up and running when I looked at Aston Villa's transfer window I thought they were going to be a team that was possibly going to fly out of the gates being a team that's going to go under the radar, you know, obviously the the Grealish transfer going out, but then the signings they've made, it looked like they made the team a lot more balanced. You know, you've got you've now got attacking prowess from all over the pitch. Ings up front, if you're putting Watkins out wide, um, you've got Bailey that's come in, a, a winger that's been highly rated in, in the Bundesliga for quite a few years, maybe doesn't necessarily have the consistency um, then obviously Buendia as well, one of the big attacking players that they've brought in, who has shown in the Premier League what he can do and definitely in the Championship last season what he can do. They come up against uh, Jake's Newcastle United. Jake, how do you see this game going? Did did you also think Aston Villa were going to be maybe a surprise team in terms of looking high up the table this season, what they did this, this off-season? Or... You know, is it going to take them a while to get into it? And then, of course, how do you see Newcastle tackling this game now? Obviously, going away from home. Yeah, I think this is going to be a, a good game to watch. Um, I think I do agree. Aston Villa did some quite good transfer business, but it, I still think it's going to take them time to get up and running because if you know selling Grealish, it's not like they've signed these players and they need to get the players to learn the system because. Aston Villa's system before was Jack Grealish, so they've lost the whole system. <laughs> Literally everything went through him. We saw how you know, how much of a drop off there was when he when he came out injured last year. Um, so I don't. I think Dean Smith has got a lot of work to do to get that team to gel and to to learn a new balanced way of playing rather than relying on your talisman to to get you forward and creating chances. So um, yeah, I think it's a good time to play Aston Villa. Um, obviously, their fans will be back and. That I'm, I'm sure it'd be a good atmosphere there. But if if you watch them last week, they had big problems on the counter attack. Uh, I think Matt Target was, was was taken off at half time because he was he was taken apart by Ismail Assar um, and the other quick attackers they've got. And if if there's one thing Newcastle do have and they and and they do well is attack quickly on and 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 a quick on the transition. They've got capable dribblers. Obviously, say Maximan's the main one, but you've got Wilson who's going to cause them problems running at them. You've got um, Jacob Murphy, who sort of doubles up with, with um, say Maximan, you've got Almer on the pace. So I think that it, I think there's this is a really good matchup for Newcastle, and I don't think that Aston Villa quite have the quality that West Ham do in the central areas to to really take advantage of Newcastle. I think that there will be goals. I think both teams will score, um, 
But yeah, I'll go for a 2-2 draw. I think that the home advantage maybe for Aston Villa maybe sways me off the win. But um, yeah, I think that I think that from watching Aston Villa last week and the, the problems they had with Watford on the on the counter attack, that's where Newcastle's strengths lie. And and they'll have seen what Ismail Lassar did to Matt Target, and I'm sure they're telling Alan Zit Maxima, and that's what you need to do. You need to run at him because he did not look comfortable against Ismail Lassar, and you're a very similar type of player. So I think that. There's going to be chances for Newcastle in this one. Um, and yeah, if they create chances for Wilson, he's probably going to score them. Uh, and obviously, Willock might play as well. He's uh, in good goal-scoring form. He's still scored in the last seven Premier League matches. So he's a, if he scores this weekend, it will, he'll go level with Alan Shearer for the most goals in, in consecutive matches for Newcastle. So there's that extra record to keep an eye on. So yeah, I'll go 2-2. Two, two. Uh, but I really think that Newcastle got a good chance this weekend. And I think that if this fixture was being played in four or five months' time, I, I think that maybe Aston Villa would be the more likely winners. But I think at this point in the season and seeing what happened last week, definitely think Newcastle got a good chance. See, I'll go 2-2. Well, you know what, Jake? If you're not going to be the Newcastle fan on this podcast, I'll take the bet and I'm going to go with a 2-1 Newcastle win because I, I, I do fancy them on the counter-attack in this game. You, you mentioned the pace that they're going to be bringing into this game with the likes of Almiron, St. Maximon, Callum Wilson... Um, and I just think that Villa, it's going to take a while for them to get going. You know, obviously, we now kind of get a glimpse of, of, of what the team looks like. It's a small sample size being one game. But there are kinks that are going to need to be worked out in that team. Whereas I think Newcastle are a little bit more of a settled side. And as you say, with these games at the beginning of the season, I think the teams that are a bit more settled, that do have a system in play that they already know quite well, I think that's going to favor them quite a bit and, and it could see them get over the line just because of being a well-structured team and well-organized team in terms of the tactics that your manager wants to employ and, and, and knowing exactly what you need to do to perform to, to, to the request of the manager. So I just think Newcastle are going to favor, you know, this fixture favors Newcastle on the counter-attack because Villa at home, we're gonna. It's gonna be a theme for this podcast in terms of it's their first game in front of their 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 fans for quite a while in the Premier League. So they're going to be want to be. They're gonna want to be on the front foot. They're gonna want to be quite aggressive. I would I would think in this game, and I think that's going to be to their detriment. The issues that Newcastle had in terms of people running through their midfield. I don't know if it will be as big an issue in this game. One, obviously, you mentioned Willock, hopefully, is going to be in that midfield. So that kind of helps that out. But I think Newcastle just will sit back a lot more in this one. Being the away team, the onus is on Aston Villa to go and attack Newcastle. So Newcastle can happily sit back, maybe hold the line a little bit deeper to not be run through um, so easily, keep it quite tight at the back, and then look to explode with the the attacking pace that they have. So yeah, as the resident Newcastle fan, the now adopted Newcastle fan on this podcast, I'm I'm gonna go with two one here, Jake. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I I definitely agree with you. I just don't, I just don't want to predict the win. <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 optimistic to a point when it comes to score predictions. I feel like I'm uh, jinxing the results. So uh, I thought, <laughs> but no, I, I completely agree. I think that I, I, if I was to pick a more likely winner I think we've got a great chance this weekend and speaking of great chances Jake I, I don't know how many people gave Brentford a great chance in that opening game 
of the Premier League season, Friday night in front of the bright lights, being the main event game because it was the only game on that Friday night. I mean, the pressure was certainly on them and they delivered, um, taking on Arsenal, beating Arsenal. They now come to London. They've got Crystal Palace. Salhurst Park is one of those grounds that can get quite raucous and, and it's quite an intimidating ground to go to. Um, in, and I mean that in a good way. Um, obviously, for for Crystal Palace fans, they 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 make it very hard for the opposition team. How do you see Brentford tackling this challenge? And and obviously Newcastle with their new manager Patrick Vieira, a whole lot of new players that have come into that team. Looking at Newcastle's fix, I mean, looking at Crystal Palace's fixtures going forward, is this kind of a must win just because of what's coming you know ahead in 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 their fixtures? Yeah, it does look like a big game for for Crystal Palace. I think we we we've seen it before with Palace, where they brought in the the new manager. I think that when when De Boer came in a few seasons ago, he didn't quite get the same level of investment. So um, maybe there's even more pressure on Patrick Vieira to to bring a big result. And I think that they're a team that I I don't know if I worry for them yet, but I just don't I don't I just don't know what to expect. And last weekend they they were completely. Um, battered by Chelsea and we'll, we'll come to to learn in the coming weeks whether that is something to to worry about or if that maybe they were just playing you know potential um title winners and, and that's nothing to be ashamed of but yeah it's going to be a, a big big game for sure Brentford um you're talking earlier about how, how maybe it's going to favor the teams that have a more settled identity and they've had a manager there for for a three or four seasons now they've a lot of the players are, have been there for a long time they haven't invested great um money into into the squad this summer but the players they do bring in we know that they, they have an analytical approach and the, the the amount of profit they made on transfers in the last 10 years we know that when they sign a player they're normally quite good so um yeah i was really impressed with them last week um and and they've got sort of the, the dual threat that they're quick and dynamic when they're attacking on the floor but they've got a set piece threat and um, we saw the long throw last week and um yeah, I think I think they're going to be a team that starts really quickly, but I do feel like there's going to be points in the season where um, they drop off, and, and they will, I think, um, be mainly competing to to stay up. But I, I think they're going to start quickly, and I think that this uh, this is a good fixture for them coming up against Palace before they've really settled under Vieira. Um, so yeah, I think I might tip another Brentford win. I think we're going to see them start really well, but um, maybe there's going to be a drop off to come in maybe the next four or five matches. But yeah, I think they're going to get another win here. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see even Tony get uh, score his first Premier League goal. So yeah, I think that um, that's uh, one for all the fancy Premier League players. I think that even Tony this weekend um, carrying on his good form from the Championship will get on the score sheet, and Brentford will make it two wins out of two, which would be a, a remarkable start for them. But yeah, I think that Palace um, really do need to try and get a win here. But I, I. There was nothing to take from that game last week because they barely had the ball. Chelsea were so dominant. Um, there wasn't enough to, to really make me believe in Palace, whereas we saw exactly what to believe uh, from, from Brentford. And I think they're going to get their second win of the season. So I'll say, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll go for a 2-1. I think that they will concede. But um, yeah, they'll, they'll win the game. Interesting stuff. 2-1. And, and that will be music to Brentford fans. I mean, two wins... Uh, from their first two games would be absolutely fantastic. Um, from from my end, yeah, Palace, I have, I have quite a bit of work to do this season. 
And as I said, just looking at the fixtures, I mentioned the fixtures earlier uh, in terms of what they have coming next. They've got West Ham away um, in their next game. Um, yeah, West Ham away. Then they've got Spurs at home and then Liverpool away. So those are three really tough games. And if you're then losing this game to Brentford, you could be starting the season with five losses in a row. And I, I don't know if that was part of the, the long-term planning at Crystal Palace that this could be a possibility losing five games to open the season and sort of just having the faith in Vieira that, look, we know it's a tough start. Just make sure you've got everything, the team tactics and everything sorted out by then so that you can hit the ground running after those fixtures. Um, it will be interesting to see. But I think just out of desperation, I'm going to go reverse for you. I think Palace have no choice here but to win this game, looking at the fixtures they have coming up. So I'm going to go with a 2-1 Crystal Palace win. Um, as you said, we, we didn't really get to see much of them last week with how dominant Chelsea were. But I think Vieira will be emphasizing the importance of winning this one and at least getting some points on the board um, going into the tough schedule that they have um, going forward. Jake, we'll move on to our next fixture. It's Leeds United versus Everton at Ellen Road. Obviously, Leeds were a fascinating team last season. They were almost fixture-proof when it came to fantasy. And, and you know, we, we keep mentioning fantasy Premier League uh, on this. But they were a team that, regardless of fixture, their attacking players were probably people that you'd have in your team or, or want to be bringing in. They come up against a Rafa Benitez Everton team, and that will be weird for me for the entire season. If, if, you know, hopefully for his sake, if he's staying there the entire season. But they started off shaky. They had booze, and then they go and win a game. Um, how did you see that? maybe game of two halves by Everton last weekend and then also Leeds coming off a 5-1 hammering by Man United as well. This is an interesting game for me because we know Leeds can take a 5-1 and then just respond because that's how Bielsa has kind of trained them that look our football is brave. Sometimes we're going to get beat 5-1 but then next week it's a new game. Let's Let's hit the ground running again. Versus an Everson side who started a bit slow, but then kind of course corrected throughout the game last week. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting game to watch. I thought, um, I think Leeds this year. I think it's going to be. I think I'm not sure they're going to quite push on in the way that some think they're going to. I think that maybe what they achieved last season was was sort of the limit um, in what they can achieve without further investment. They've not really brought anybody in. Um, this summer, uh, apart from Junior Firpo from Barcelona, um, so yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a really interesting season for them. Um, I think with, with Benitez and, and Everton, I think that he's made a couple of decent signings. Um, he seems to be moving more to a style of play that suits the players. I thought last season Ancelotti was sort of lost in his message, and and it led to some quite poor results. But I think Benitez can see that in in Richarlison and Calvert Lewin, if you just put crosses into the box and get the ball up. Uh, the pitch quickly, you're going to get chances and score goals. And that's what happened last week. They just put so many crosses in that eventually they, they, they found a few that, that that resulted in goals. So, um, yeah, but this weekend, I think it's a fixture that really doesn't suit Everton. I think that Manchester United last week showed the blueprint on, on how to beat Leeds. You have to 
sort of go up against them man to man and and trust your talent and really commit bodies forward on the counter attack and try and outnumber them um and and sort of create the spaces in the leads in the leads defense which they did last season they did it again last week but Benitez isn't sort of a manager that's going to go out and set his team up to to cause chaos he likes very regimented systems he wants his players to be in certain positions and when you're playing against leads you sort of need to embrace the chaos and go up against them man for man and he's not going to do that so I think that Ellen Road, uh, it's been 20 years in the making, almost 20 years since uh, they had a full Ellen Road in a Premier League game. Obviously, they didn't get found in last season. So I think it's going to be quite an emotional emotional experience up there. And I think the players are really going to bounce off that and, and and get their first win of the season. So yeah, I can really see Leeds doing well this weekend. I can maybe see it. Everton won 3-1 last week. Maybe I'll see them losing 3-1 this weekend. I think that, that Leeds are going to be really up for it. And I think that... If if Benitez did set up in a similar way to Solskjaer and, and allowed his players to be a little bit more um, chaotic, maybe Everton would have the quality to get three points, but I just don't see that happening. So yeah, I'm going to tip Leeds for the win. Interesting stuff. And that was the, the score for Leeds was? 3-1. Three, 3-1, one. Three, one, yeah. Okay, I was just making sure I got that right. So 3-1 for Leeds on that one. And look... As I mentioned earlier, it, it would be indicative of their bounce back ability, if I can use that term, um, to be able to shake off such a heavy loss and then go and win a game. I think Wiley Rafa Benitez could pull something off here. I'm I'm going to go with a 2-1 Everton win because I'm liking what they did in the second half in the sense of, it, it to me it seemed, and maybe I'm oversimplifying it here, but just get the ball on Calvert-Lewin's head is kind of the game plan that I saw in that second half and it, it worked to perfection. Um, we saw Everton had a fast start last season with Ancelotti and I think they could do something similar here with with Rafa Benitez. I think he's got the tactical nous to be able to kind of decipher this Leeds team and, and that's a very dangerous thing to to go into a, conf, you know, into a Leeds game with confidence that you know exactly you know how to break them down and, and then actually go and do it on the pitch, but I, I think he'll, he'll have the tactics right and enough to be able to see out a two, one win in this. Uh, I'm going to go two two. I'm going to go two two. Um, after having said all that, I, I do think that Leeds is never die attitude. is going to be enough to get them two goals in this one. I'm switching to two two. So I'm changing my mind on that one, Jake. Um, I, I'll be interested to see if anyone changes their mind for the next game. It's Man City versus Norwich. And obviously Man City, the defending champions, they come off of last week, a 1-0 loss to Tottenham. They're going to be an angry team. And, and I kind of feel really sorry for Norwich in this one. You face Liverpool in your opening game and then you get a very pissed off Man City to, you know, at the Etihad. What are you seeing from this game, Jake? Or, or is it kind of a foregone conclusion? Yeah, I don't think I can uh, give Norwich fans any any sense of hope in this one. Um, yeah, I thought Man City were, were slow last week. I didn't think they played that well. They, they probably created the better chances. and uh, But yeah, they, they weren't quite themselves and that was until Kevin De Bruyne came on and in those 10 minutes I think it was like the bet probably one of the best 10 minute performances I've ever seen in the Premier League he was everywhere creating chances getting shots away and, and obviously it's easy to do that in a 10 minute period when you're chasing the game but if he plays to that level um, for this season I think we could see one of the best 
individual seasons from a player that we've ever seen. He just looked so on it, and, and he was like that at the Euros as well. So I think maybe Kevin De Bruyne uh, entering sort of the peak years of his career has taken yet another step up. So if he comes into the team this week, I think it's going to be um, how many more than what the result is going to be. I think that Manchester City are going to score quite a few goals. Um, yeah, I th- I'm saying I'm going to tip five now. I thought Norwich were... They, they they looked good in periods against uh, Liverpool, but it's one thing to do that at home in the opening game. It's another thing to do that against Man City away. I feel like Man City, when they play home, are just an even better team than um, they are away from home. They seem to just blow teams away there. Um, so, yeah, I think we're going to see a few goals. Um, maybe Raheem Sterling getting a couple and uh, Kevin De Bruyne, obviously running the show so yeah I think I'm gonna go 5-0 to Man City in this one I think it could be a quite a quite a good game for them and and maybe a, a match to miss for the Norwich fans and the thing with Man City is we've seen in the past they they do like to rack up the score at times in 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 games when they see that a team you know has you know they've they've got their number pretty well Norwich do like to play football a bit and I think that might be to their detriment in this game. We saw that, you know, the amount of times Liverpool were able to press them really high up the pitch and, and win the ball back. I think it's going to be a similar situation here and, and if they continue that very brave football, I think it could be their undoing. I'm I'm going to go one goal less than you here. I'm going to go 4-0 just because City don't quite have that striker there yet. Um, I'm pretty sure De Bruyne is going to create plenty of chances for people to be scoring and, and they've got a lot of creative players there. But I think just going a little bit more conservative than you, I'll be, you know, going with four goals in this one. I, I just think until City sort out or figure out either bringing in the striker or figuring out a way to get the goals with the guys that they do have, I mean, I mean, you know, it's quite a strong squad in any case, then the goals might not be as emphatic as a five. <laughs> it's only one goal difference there, Jake, but um, I, I think I'm being nitpicky there, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the four nil here, Jake. Um, Jake, we're going to move on to a game um, that we've introduced this year. Obviously we know Banker or Burnett is the game for a tab predictable, but that's going to come a little bit later in the season. We kind of wanted to, let you guys get the rust off of your predictions. Um, you know, we don't want you guys to be burning yourselves out too early with Bank It or Burn It. Sort of just ease into it and then we'll really crank up the pressure and see who gets to take that title or if Jody is able to retain it. But Jake, we played a game last week with Guy Drinkle where I had all of the Hall of Famers from the Premier League um, on the screen, I, I picked one specific one each time, each round, and guy had five uh, five points to play with. Um, each each guess or each question that he asked that um, he lost a point unless the guess was correct. And then it's basically about trying to keep as many of those five points as possible. And we went four rounds. So I'm looking to do something similar with you this week. But we're going to go with Newcastle's current squad. So no pressure, obviously, as the Newcastle. Well, technically, I'm the adopted Newcastle fan for this podcast. But as our resident Newcastle fan, how confident do you know the squad? And and how are you feeling about this game? Yeah, I'd, I'd hope that I'd do quite well, but um, we'll see. 
Interesting <laughs> <I'm, stuff. laughs> we'll see how it goes i'm uh i'm gonna remain cautious in in my confidence in either my team or myself okay well well guy in the four rounds he got one one point one point one point and two points so five is is the total to beat um let's see how you get on let's see how you get on okay um i've let's see I've got the first player. Okay. So you can start asking. You've got five <laughs> points to play with. Okay. Are they an attacking player? No. Are they British? No. Have they played for another Premier League team? Um. <laughs> Hang on here. Yeah. I, I want to get this right. I want to get this right. Um, I don't think they have, but let me let me just confirm because no, they have not. So they're not an attacker. Then they haven't played for another Premier League team. And what was the last question? They're not British. Yes. Yeah. So how many? If I if I guess so, it now, you've got. You've got two to play with, so you can take two guesses, or you can ask another question and then take a guess. Um, oh. Is it a goalkeeper? Yes. Is it Martin Dubravka? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> oh, so I thought it was. I should have went with two points to go. Oh, there we I go. I doubt it myself. <laughs> okay, so that's one one point out of round one. So you're on par with Guy Drinkle at the moment. Yeah. Um, but you, you're getting the hang of it now, surely. Let, let's see how you get on with the next player. I now have a player. Okay. Are they British? <laughs> <laughs> just wait. But let me just check um, something. <laughs> Yes, they are. Okay. Okay. Are they a defender? No. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, this, is, this game is a lot more difficult than I thought it would be. Um. Are they a midfielder? Yes. Okay. Two to go. Two to go. Um, is it Matt Ritchie? No. Oh. One to go. <laughs> oh, I need to get it on this one. Um, is it Jeff Hendrick? No. <laughs> oh, it's Ryan Frazier. Ryan oh, Frazier is no. the player that I had. Oh. Oh, I, he, he didn't cross my mind. Oh, I think a guy's score of five is looking It's very, looking pretty good, good <laughs> hey? <laughs> it's looking pretty good. Um, I just have to start guessing players from the off and just hope I get lucky. <laughs> that would be brilliant if you get it off, off the first one. Okay. Um, I've got one. Okay. Go for it. 
Are they a midfielder? No. Are they a striker? No. Is it a centre back? Yes. You got two. Two. I think I'm just gonna have to try and guess one because. (laughs) Oh, okay. Is it Fabian Shaw? It is. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Oh, good. Oh, that was close. Okay. I've clawed my way back a little bit. (laughs) Okay. Cool. So that was two points for that one, and you're back in the game. Okay, so round four, the last round, you need to beat a score of two, because Guy got two um, in his round four. So you need to beat a score of two to take, I guess, the leaderboard. I don't know if there's a prize for this one. Um, We'll see. Okay, the last player that we have. um, Okay, I've got one. Okay. Do, is it a um, midfielder? No. I think I've wasted the question there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are, are they are they um, non-British? We'll go with yes. that. Yes. Okay. I think I'm going to have to try and guess it and and take take the glory. Go on. Um, is it? Oh. Non-British, not a yeah. midfielder. Yeah, I think I'm, I've, I'm between two, so it's uh, it's tough. Is it Joe Joe Joelinton? No, it's oh. not. Oh. And I Is feel it... this one was a bit unfair, maybe, but we'll see. Let's see. Let's see how you get okay. on. Is it um, Alison Maximan? It is. Yeah, it they is. were the two hours between. And I, I felt bad with the easier midfielder because. He's now moved to forward on fantasy. No, that's fine. So, I, I wasn't quite, if you'd have said yes to a midfielder, I wouldn't have guessed him. So okay. uh, you did the right Fair. thing. I was between Fair. those two, and I thought, yeah, I was close. I went, I tied up. So with, with you tied in the end. So five out of twenty there. Yeah, it's a lot harder than it looks. Yeah, definitely easier for me being the one being able to see who it is. But guys, if you did play along. Uh, do let us know how you how you got on and next week have your pens and pencils ready and and play along if you do so wish but we'll move on to our next fixture it's Brighton versus Watford Uh, a surprising game in the sense that this is a game with two teams that both won last uh, weekend and I don't think I'm being disingenuous in saying that because I mean I didn't know what kind of Watford we were going to see this season. I've, I've tried figuring them out and it was so difficult. Um, they, they were real, real unknown for me. And then a Brighton side who I thoroughly enjoyed watching last season, but they just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net enough for me. And by God, they did it last weekend. Um, how do you see this game going against two sides who looked quite impressive? Yeah, definitely. I think that Watford looked like they have a lot of pace on the counter attack, um, and that's something that they're gonna gonna benefit from this season because they'll probably be counter attacking in a lot of games. So, um, yeah, they really impressed me in the opening opening week. Um, obviously, they had uh, Dennis come into the team, make his debut, scored on it. Um, Cucho Hernandez, I think, is a player that they've had for a while. That's been out on a lot of loans. He, he scored a really nice goal. Um, 
the, the only thing that, that I would say about Watford on the opening day, that the the actual quality of the chances they were creating wasn't quite as high as, as perhaps a 3-1 scoreline or a 3-2 scoreline would make you believe. I think Ismail Assad's goal was a little bit fortunate with the deflection. I think obviously Cucho Hernandez scored an incredible goal, but you're not going to be able to score those every week. So that's just one thing that, that slightly worried me with Watford. But score three goals in your first Premier League game after promotion it is great. And we saw what they could do uh, against Liverpool in their last um, season in the Premier League. Obviously, we saw Ismail Assad do really well in that game. So they're definitely going to be a threat um, when they play on the counter. Brighton, um, I think most people think they should have had more points last year than they got. Um, they haven't really made any big changes, so you'd think they're quite a settled team. Um, normally quite good at home in front of fans. I think they, I think it was in 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 the period behind closed doors they had quite a poor home record. But normally with fans in, they're, they're normally quite good at home. So um, yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting game. I think that Brighton are not going to be quite as as open. As Aston Villa were for the for the transition, I think Graham Potter is quite intelligent the way he coaches teams. He'll know that that's where the threat is, uh, and he'll probably um, make sure that he, he's got enough cover uh, defensively. They've obviously got three centre backs as well, so that makes it a little bit more uh, difficult for the for the quicker, smaller players to to get in behind and, and get into shooting positions because they've got so much more cover in those central areas. So yeah, I think it's going to be. Uh, um, a tight game. I don't think there's going to be many goals in this one. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm going to tip Brighton for the win. I think that they're going to start the season well. I think they've got enough quality and I think that they're going to make a big step forward results-wise this season after two years of, of playing under Graham Potter. I think that the way they came from behind last week really impressed me. Um, I think Moda came off the bench and played really well. He might be a player that pushes for a start. I think he's looked really good every time he's played in the Premier League. Um, so yeah, I think I'm going to tip Brighton. I think I'll go one nil. I don't. I still don't think Brighton has scored that many goals, but I think the goal they conceded last week, a set piece goal to Burnley, that's going to happen sometimes. But I don't think they're going to be as threatened by the counter attack of Watford. I think they'd rather play a team like that than they would a physical team. So yeah, I think I'm going to tip Brighton one nil. Interesting. Yeah, and as you say, it's it's going to be a fascinating game. I think. Graham Potter is going to be a little bit more tactically astute there. It's a home game for Brighton as well, so I'm sure they're going to be looking forward to heading back to the to the Amex Stadium. Um, this one's a tricky one for me. I'm I'm going with the one-one. Uh, I I do think, as you mentioned, that the goals for Watford maybe aren't going to be as, if you want to say fortuitous, and I don't mean that disrespectfully, but. Um, the 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 xG wasn't really that high uh, for them, but um, I think I think that the teams are going to cancel each other out. Brighton, yes, they got the two goals against Burnley last time around. As you said, I don't know if they're always going to be getting that many goals, so I think one won't be enough to see it out in this game. And and I don't feel confident enough yet in that attack to give them two goals for this game. So that that's why I've kind of settled on a one-one. But guys. You don't have to settle when it comes to your VPN packages. I highly recommend that you link up with our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield. That's Liberty Shield are a VPN provider, and you can check out all of their services at libertyshield.com. Um, they have awesome features, inclu- including privacy and security, where you can hide your IP from anyone, e.g., hackers. Um, and that's 
just by encrypting your internet traffic. You can also avoid geoblocks and government-imposed restrictions to access any website that you do need to access. So I highly recommend that you guys link up with them. Also, shout out to our other presenting sponsors, eplindex.com. As I said, guys, there are awesome articles that are on there. Jake is one of the feature writers. I know he's got a Delhi Ali article up at the moment that we'll speak about towards the end of this podcast. But definitely go check out eplindex.com. Jake, we move on to our next fixture. It's Southampton versus Man United, a flying Man United, a very confident looking Man United against a Southampton side that's trying to find their way a bit I feel um it's not been a great summer off the field and then on the field last week they started off pretty hot um Armstrong getting a debut goal and then ended up losing 3-1 to Everton how do you see this game going it's at St Mary's I know the fans will hopefully be trying to push the team through but they're coming up a quite uh, against quite a, a formidable Man United team it looks like Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a, a tough season for Southampton. Um, I think that Adam Armstrong looks to be a good signing. I think he's going to score some goals for them. But from last season, they've lost Bertrand, Vestergaard and uh, Danny Ings. Where three of their first 11 have, have left and they've really only brought in Adam Armstrong. Uh, they've brought in the, the left-back uh, Perrault as well. But I've, I've yet to, to see enough of him to, to judge whether he's going to be an improvement on their Ryan Bertrand, so it does look to be a, it's going to be a tough season for for Southampton, and uh, they're one of the few teams in the Premier League that um, have have got worse this summer. I think there's some teams that have stood still, um, which which is also bad. But I think Southampton have got worse. So that's that's even a bigger of a worry. Last season they were conceding a lot of goals, especially in the second half of the season. Uh, I don't think they played that well after January. Uh, they started really well. Obviously, they were top of the Premier League for a little bit, but. Um, yeah, they seem to have really dropped off and, and, and selling the losing the three players as well. If they, if they don't bring in another centre-back before the transfer window ends or, or make any more additions, you, you're going to have to worry for them this year. Um, they went ahead last week and, and yeah, aside from the goal, they didn't create too much. They obviously struggled a little bit with the physicality of everything from crosses. So yeah, I think Manchester United last week was so impressive and... Uh, they're probably not going to get as much freedom in, in the final third as they got against Leeds, but they'll probably get enough of it. We've seen they scored nine goals in Southampton in the game last year. Um, so we know that what they're capable of um, and we know that they're in such good form at the moment. They seem to be really up for the for the start of the season. And uh, Southampton worry me defensively. So yeah, I think we're going to see a comfortable Manchester United win this weekend, I'll say. I think I'm going to go... 3-1 to Manchester United. I think we're going to see them score a couple of goals, but um, we might see Southampton get one in front of their fans. But yeah, I, just, I can't see uh, Southampton getting anything in this one. I think they're, they're a team I worry for this year. Um, yeah, I, I agree with pretty much every, everything that you've said there. Um, just in terms of the score, I've gone with a 3-0 scoreline. Um, I do think Man United are going to have enough to keep a clean sheet on this one. And obviously Southampton fans close it is, as I say that. I think it's just going to be a very, very tough game for them. I think the worry for me is that the fans might turn quite quickly if things, if if Man United get off to a hot start and Southampton don't. Um, We've seen in the past that Southampton team is susceptible to getting big, you know, 
big results against them and and not necessarily scoring in those games either I, I just worry for them in this one and I think it could just be an unfortunate time to be playing a Man United side that looks really really hot so I've gone with a 3-0 in this one and and speaking of really really hot maybe not in overall performance but in terms of results we had Tottenham obviously beating the defending champions uh, 1-0 last week and, and they'll be flying into this week they go up against Nuno's um, old team in Wolves. How do you see this game going? Nuno obviously going back to Molyneux. Um, hopefully he gets a, a good reception there. Yeah, it's, it's going to be uh, interesting to see what happens uh, there. It's great. It'll be, uh, I'm sure you'll get a good reception from Wolves fans. Um, and it's kind of nice that, that the, the first time Molyneux is going to be filled up, that Nuno is going to be at the game because um, he didn't get a proper farewell there. That that would probably um, be nice for him. But yeah, it's, it's Tottenham. Um, it's one thing to set up and sort of play on the counter attack like they do against Manchester City. Uh, it's another to sort of take the uh, take um, dominate the game and sort of uh, um, try to to break a team down and 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 really um, sort of dominate a game in that way. So it'd be interesting to see if, if Nuno can set up his, his Tottenham team to do that. Because we obviously knew how good he was at setting up a counter-attacking team with Wolves. Um, the, the questions were whether he could uh, set up a team to dominate and create chances and be a little bit more fluid. That, that were the main questions that, that he was facing when he took the Tottenham job. So what he did last weekend, very impressive. Um, it wasn't didn't really teach us much about Nuno as Tottenham manager, whether... He's going to be able to push them on. I think this weekend's going to be a better sort of litmus test for that. Um, I don't think Harry Kane's going to play, so it, it, or if he does, it'll probably be as a sub. So it'll be Son again. He's going to be the key man. But he showed last week that he sort of thrives under that. And I think his record, well, Kane has mismatches, is really good. So I, I think that um, he's going to be a threat this weekend. I think that Deli Ali hopefully will get a, a little bit more authority to push forward because I think he, he, we didn't really see much of that last weekend. Um, but yeah, Wolves, I thought, were offered quite a big threat last week. I thought Jimenez played quite well. I thought Adama Traore was, was a really big threat. If he if he was a better finisher, I think they would have got something out of the Leicester game. But um, yeah, I think that Tottenham should have just enough to beat Wolves this weekend. I think that the, the good feeling from last weekend is going to carry them through. And I think that sort of the the constant conversation about Harry Kane is going to give the, the rest of the senior players sort of... Uh, sort of a reason to go out and, and put a good performance in and show that, you know, they are more than just Harry Kane. So I think, yeah, I'm going to go for a 2-1 Tottenham win. Uh, um, but yeah, I think that, that Wolves did look good last week and, and I, I do expect them to score. Yeah, and, and you mentioned that how well that Wolves did look in that game. And I think they will, the players will be up for it as well, playing against their old boss for a lot of them. And I think they will be wanting to get one over on him there. Um, I'm going to give the exact same score as you because um, you know that that's what I had written down here as well I'm going to go with the 2-1 Spurs win I think their players are going to be bouncing into this week and I think they're going to want to equally play well for Nuno in this game obviously him going back to Molyneux it, it's going to be a very very fascinating game and speaking of fascinating games arguably you know no disrespect to any of the other fixtures but arguably the game of the weekend Arsenal versus Chelsea we mentioned when we spoke about Crystal Palace a bit earlier how dominant in terms of ball possession Chelsea were in that game. They travelled to the Emirates Stadium to face an Arsenal side that not, you know, maybe 
feeling like they owe their fans something after losing to Brentford. And I, I think a lot of teams are going to get caught out by Brentford because I just think they're, they're, they're a really exciting team. But for a club of the stature of Arsenal, as, as as has become very, you know, a common thing to say, so to speak, I, I don't think, you know, the stature of your club necessarily grants you any sort of result in the Premier League. But in any case, um, Arsenal will be looking to bounce back in this one. How do you see them handling a Chelsea side that potentially has Lukaku up front, especially with um, how, you know, it, it, they looked a bit soft at the, at the centre-back's position uh, against Brentford? Yeah, they did. I think that Ben White had a difficult debut. Um, I think he's a really good player, Ben White. And I think he, he's going to be a, a good player for Arsenal, but they need to have the right player next to him, a, a more physical player than uh, um, Marius. So I think that that's something they're going to need to address because they, he was definitely going to be targeted. And I think that Thomas Tuchel, he's one of the best tacticians in the league. He'll have seen that. And he's going he's gonna to throw in uh, Romelu Lukaku for his debut and tell him to, to pin himself on Ben White. So I think that's going to be a a battle worth watching and uh, I think that I think both of us will agree and everybody listening that there's only going to be one winner in that in that physical battle and uh, yeah I think that Chelsea were really good last week again you've got to sort of um, preface that with uh, we don't really know how good Crystal Palace are so we don't know how good of a performance it was but it was really dominant and uh, I think they're gonna gonna cause a real threat this year I think they've got they've got the uh, squad they've got the manager and they've got the quality to uh, challenge for the title so I think this is going to be a good early marker for them I think I think I know that a lot of people have spoken about their start to the season I think they they play Liverpool soon and they've got Manchester City in a couple of weeks obviously play Arsenal uh, they could easily lose ground early on but you know you could say the opposite thing that they could start the season really well and beat all of those teams and, and really set down the marker and uh, based on how they played last week and and how Chelsea played in big games last season on the two call. You wouldn't bet against them doing that. So, yeah, I think they're going to be the likely winners this weekend. I think Aubameyang might be back. I think I was reading before we started recording that he's come back from a, a COVID illness and he, he could be in line to feature. So, I think that he's really good in matches like this on the counter-attack, especially where Chelsea play wing-backs and they do leave the, the gaps down the flanks uh, on counter-attacks. I think that Aubameyang could play a bit of a role but yeah, I think Chelsea got too much quality, and there's so there was nothing to to get excited about about Arsenal last year, uh, last week even. And I think that Mikel Arteta could be coming under pressure for his job shortly because uh, they've got a tough next couple of weeks. And if they did start the season with three losses on the row uh, in a row, then you you would start to worry for him. But yeah, I, I can only see one winner. I think Chelsea are going to go to the Emirates and win. I'll go. I think I'm going to go 2-0 Chelsea. I, I can't even see Arsenal scoring a goal. So, yeah, I think that it's going to be a professional job from Chelsea. And I can maybe see Lukaku getting a goal on his debut. I think that he's uh, he comes back with a real point to prove after not breaking into the team last time when he was at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, I think he's he's going to be really hungry. And, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be a real threat against Ben White. So, yeah, I'm going to go 2-0. Yeah, unfortunately for me, the the misery, or should I say, unfortunately for Arsenal fans, the misery continues this week. I'm I'm going with a three-one Chelsea win. Um, I do, you know, I, I take note of your your mention of how good Arsenal could be on the counter counter attack in this game with um, the the wing backs that Chelsea will likely deploy in this game, and I just think it seems like Nicolas Pepe on on the break. Um, being an outboard couldn't be able to, you know, take someone on one on one and and maybe pass it, 
make a cross and someone's tapping in at, in at the far post. I could see something like that happening um, at some point in this game, but I think Chelsea are just going to have too much firepower, too much depth, and I think they're going to be just physically too strong for, for Arsenal to handle in that one. So I'm going 3-1. But Jake, we end the weekend off with West Ham versus Leicester. Another one of those games where both teams are coming off wins um, last week. West Ham, obviously... You you got to see them up close and personal last week and, and commiserations for, for the result in that one. And then a Leicester City side who maybe are looking to go one better this season and, and, and make it into the top four. Are games like this away from home at West Ham must win games for for Leicester City if they have those um, ambitions? I'm not sure if they must win. I think that West, West Ham are a good team. We saw that last week and uh, Leicester... Uh, although they got the three points, they really did struggle um, when Wolves counted with with pace and with Adama Traore getting in on goal a couple of times. And we saw last week that West Ham, if they, if there's one thing they're expert at, it's uh, countering with pace with Mikel Antonio, Ben Rama, uh, and four nails really pushing on. So I think that West Ham have got the players to to really cause Leicester problems, um, especially in that centre back role. I think that Antonio is. It's good enough to to get the better of Soyuncu and Vestigard, who I, who I assume is going to come into the team. So I think, yeah, I think it's gonna it's a it's a tricky game for Leicester. Um, they definitely need to sharpen up a little bit from last week because they were a little bit more open than they perhaps would be normally. But again, we know that with with, with Leicester, they've got the the attacking quality to score goals. Jamie Vardy obviously starting with a goal is is really important for for them because he is. I think he's going to be slowly phased out over the next couple of seasons, but he's still the the key man at the moment. And uh, yeah, West Ham, although they did win last week, they did concede a lot of chances. And I'm not quite convinced by them defensively. I think they ended last season conceding quite a few goals as well. So that's a problem area for West Ham. Um, so yeah, I think that we're going to see goals in this one. Um, and I'm not quite sure who I think is more, more likely winner. So I think I'm going to predict the 2-2 uh, and predict, I think it's only my second draw I've predicted. So <laughs> yeah. I've I've not I've not predicted too many, but I could see see there being goals in this one just because I don't really trust them either of them defensively and they've both got some really good attacking players. So yeah, I'm gonna go two two. Yeah, as the fake Newcastle fan in this one, you you went two two for Aston Villa versus Newcastle. <laughs> um but Jake, yeah, so with this one I agree with you in, in terms of just maybe the uncertainty that Leicester had in their previous game, but I, I wonder if that will come with time. Um, and, and certainly I think we can be kind of confident that it, it will, considering the, the runs that Leicester have produced over the last couple of seasons. They usually do tend to get it right. It's the back end of the season that I, I have issues with Leicester in terms of finishing off the season strong. But coming up against a West Ham side that won't be shy in terms of just confidence in front of goals, uh, being able to score four goals... I think that's the worry for me in this game for Leicester is when you come up against a team that um, now maybe has a lot more confidence in goal coming off of last season and then last week, sometimes they just may take more shots, which would allow them to then score goals, which they wouldn't ordinarily do just because of a lack of confidence that they have. And and I'm I'm worried that Leicester may come unstuck in this game where last week we saw they struggled for creativity and and. Um, maybe they don't necessarily have enough there. I'm going to go with a 2-1 West Ham win in this one. And I'm not very confident in predicting that. I just think 
that West Ham's confidence is going to carry them in this game in terms of how they performed last week opposed to how Leicester performed last week. And you mentioned the susceptibility to the counter-attack. Um, you've got the likes of Antonio that's going to be bombing forward and, and that's going to be scary to see. But Jake, that's going to do it for another episode of A Tad Predictable. A, a Tad Predictable. You've said it all. Um, but do you have anything you want to plug, put over or promote before we wrap up? Um, no, you can obviously get all my stuff on EPL Index, all my writings on there, and uh, obviously the EPL Roundtable, which I'm sure you'll go on to plug as well. I was on that last week. So if you want to listen a little bit more about Newcastle and the game against uh, um, West Ham last week, you can give that one a listen from last week. Awesome stuff. And the J- uh, Daily Alley article that you have on EPL Index at the moment, uh, analysing Daily Alley's reemergence at Tottenham under Nuno. Um, do you want to give just a brief snippet of that? Uh, obviously, we want people to go and read it, so don't don't give it all away, please. Yeah, I was just sort of looking at his performance against Manchester City, looking at how his role has changed from being a little bit more of a uh, attacking midfielder to being a box to box player. He's putting a lot more tackles and uh, covering a lot more ground than he normally does. So yeah, it was interesting to see how that's changed and speculating on what might lie ahead for him, whether he'll be given a little bit more license against the. Uh, the weaker teams or if this is going to be the way it's going to be used so yeah I think it's going to be a good season for Deli Ali and he might get his career back on track after it's sort of stalled under Mourinho hopefully hopefully that um, that does happen it's it's one of the bright players you know coming out of his teenage years and, and we always want to see them fulfilling their potential so guys please go and read that article on eplindex.com as well as all the other articles there we've got match previews reviews um, transfer news anything that you need premier league related you can find it at eplindex.com of course we've got uh, the daily podcast the two-footer podcast with dave hendrick um, do check that out daily as well as our flagship show jake mentioned it he was on it last week it's the epl roundtable where kev devry sits down with panelists from respective epl teams they do reviewings and previewings of the happenings around the epl guys go and follow um this show's Twitter page at a tad predictable on Twitter. Please go and follow at EPL index on Twitter. Subscribe to EPL index on your podcast channels and on your podcast providers. Give us five stars, write some positive comments. If you guys feel so inclined, that stuff really, really does help us out. Um, and then also, guys, go sign up for the free, that's right, free season predictions competition on EPLindex.com stroke predictions that's eplindex.com stroke predictions and stand a chance to win all you have to do is get your game week predictions in at eplindex.com slash predictions each week if you top the leaderboard come the end of the 2021-2022 season then you stand a chance to win a hundred pound voucher for epl index shop that's eplindex.shop um, they're constantly adding a lot more products onto that website and then you also stand a chance to win 300 pounds in cash so a nice cash prize there as i said it's free to enter all you have to do is sign up as you enter create a log you know create login information and then you just set all of your predictions for the game week for that week make sure you save them and then your scores get tallied um 
yeah so a huge thank you to our awesome sponsors liberty shield for sponsoring that that prize uh that's 100 pound voucher for epl index shop and a 300 pound cash prize so if you are confident and you're predicting if you listen to this show every week and you're shouting at us for getting our predictions wrong or, or you think you've got you know which one is the correct prediction put your you don't even need to put your money where your mouth is because it's free you just have to sign up and you could be a winner so thank you to liberty shield vpn for sponsoring that guys i've been to Chinakira. you can find me on twitter handle at tad predicts the lovely lady that does our guest intros our defending banker or burnet champion jody is at spursy 141 also go check out jody's brand new player ratings show for she does spurs player rating shows on paxton road tv uh, i think she did her first show last week and that was really fun to see but yeah go check out at spursy one for one on twitter you'll get all of that information we have a brand new intro so a huge thank you to obi semenya he's at john empire sa for organizing that for us our producer behind the glass guy drinkle at guy drinkle on twitter who currently is the leader um for did you end up tying no yeah you tied you tied with so the the joint leader with jake jackman for our um i don't even know what it's called we're gonna we'll, we'll figure out a name by next week for this game that we're currently playing as we lead into banquet or burnet season he's been jake jackman that's at jake jackman with two n's at the end so at jake jackman two n's at the end on twitter and remember guys chisinga perry chino sure bamford shot oh brilliant the pogba oh what a finish came out to him menace pick that one out what a goal by harry kane Saka, 2-0. Jesse Lingard, oh, thumping finish. The champions of 2021 are Manchester City. Sports Social Podcast Network.